This is the Power to Podcast, show 160. Welcome to a real-world education with insight and advice from teachers in the game, where current and former educators reveal what truly sets apart the great teachers and what it takes to make a positive impact on students. Whether you're in pre-service learning, new to the game, or a seasoned veteran, this is the show for you. You'll leave feeling inspired to take action because we are powering education by empowering you. Hey, what's going on, everyone? This is Ken Erman, host of the Powered Up Podcast, and I am here with my co-host, Mr. Matt. I hope this isn't goodbye, Rogers. Matt, this is a uh, a big moment. It is a big moment. Yeah. So we are, you are officially going on paternity break for the Powered Up Podcast. Baby girl Rogers is due in a couple months, uh, yeah. but also this is a a paternity break show because for the first time in our podcast history, because my wife is also due very soon, we are not going to release or publish any shows for approximately a month is my plan. Right now, my plan is to start. Re so this is coming out on February 29th. And my plan is to start republishing shows on April 4th so that it is not a thought for me. Um, I already planned on not having any recordings. We have enough recordings that could span that gap, but it's a it's something that I don't want to have on my mind when I'm 100% focused on on Ermin baby number 4 and uh and the whole family. So this is a uh, it's a little weird. Didn't I don't know. Well, you know, we started this with a a few core intentions which mm -hmm. were related around not inviting friends um, yep. because I think that that leads to not as honest or, or obvious conversations. You jump into the, the conversations that we know the context that the audience may not. So that's always been a thing, but we also had this intention of running it for five years mm -hmm. and that stuck with me. And I remember long, long, long time before we even, recorded our first episode, even hearing you suggest that and not understand why it needed to be five years. And I have two reflections on that. First off, holy smokes, we've made it like three years. Um, we are officially over three years. Yeah, which is crazy. Mm -hmm. um, as well as We'll never make it to three, five years. <laughs> like, how in the world are we going to get there? So, um, first off, kudos to you. I've said it many an episode. You are the engine that makes this happen. You make my life a lot easier because I show up, talk with one of my closest friends for an hour and another group uh, or individual that's pretty awesome. And then I sign off and I don't even do any of the social media stuff. So, my life is very, very simple. You've made it very, very simple, but this has been rewarding. And I would say intentionally, this is not goodbye. Um, Definitely not. Things so things can obviously pop up, um, and, and I'm sure we'll tie into that, but things may pop up that just make the hiatus a little bit longer. 
Um, but it is definitely not, hey, this was the, the Matt Rogers era of podcast uh, lore, and then it goes on and becomes something incredible, and I'm not a part of it. The jealousy will be real. So just to, to add more more context to that, so I am I'm forcing Matt to to take the break that he's taking because I want him to prioritize his family and the new adventure of of being a dad, and and we are very very excited for you. Uh, we will, like I said, we'll take a small break in releasing podcasts, but we will come back very shortly, and in. Substitute for Matt, not Matt, not replacement, because you will be back at some point. I have invited four of our former guests who have been on multiple times, be it their debut, as well as coming back just as a guest, or a lot of them came back for our our famous summer series. And I reached out to the four of them, two individuals, or I'm sorry, four individuals that the two of us highly respect. They all responded yes, which I was, I felt very honored. Uh, for that. And I'm very honored for them to join us. So we will have Christopher Albrecht, Jessica Somm, Raymond Benavides, and Anthony Swan will all be cameoing as guest hosts for, for to cover that hiatus and really until we hit the, uh, the summer months. And they're all going to do about three or four episodes. They're very excited. I'm very excited. And, and I think it'll be a nice twist. It'll be a, a nice um, mix up of things and, um, the, the reality is, is having you be a part of almost every one of our conversations. There's been a few where, where you've missed. And I just think the conversation is so much more valuable in having you with me. And so the thought of doing it by myself just doesn't sound like it would be close to the quality of the product that we've we've come to create together. And so I wanted to have some other incredible educators join me to maintain that that quality of conversation. What do they say? Break a leg. And, and when you think about it, you're like, please don't break a leg <laughs> by any means. But it's a saying, you know, I, I wish them the best um, as they fill in. Don't do too great a job, right? <laughs> like I had to go through a probation period early on in the podcast to, to cement my role. But all jokes aside, I think we have had the experience of witnessing mostly through questions. And I think that's the interesting part. I, I think about how often we convey messages because so much of our conversation is diving into the guest. But I guess my encouragement is I have found this podcast to be the way that I use my PLN, my, my personal learning network, to guide me through challenges I'm having in the classroom. And I hope for all of those guests, like you are more than welcome to say, I'm dealing with this challenge that I don't know how to handle. And I'm going to straight up ask a selfish, selfish question. And if that's helpful to anyone in the audience, great. But in the meantime, if it's just helping me even better. So I think that's where you couldn't have picked better members to join you. Obviously, um, you know, no one wants to just listen to Ken. So we, we mm -hmm. understand why you're, you're bringing in some reinforcements. Yeah. So, so on that note of, of what you were just saying, so this podcast launched in January, 2021, we've recorded, uh, we have a couple recordings, um, that you'll, so you'll actually hear Matt for, I think like three or four more weeks after this, 
Um, but I, I wanted this to come out to to mark the the small break that we're we're taking in releasing recordings. But we've recorded, we'll just say, 160 shows together. Um, I would estimate 145 of them with guests. 150. We haven't done solo shows in in years. We had a few of those in the beginning when we were we were not acquiring guests every week. So, who were you, Mr. Rogers, the classroom teacher then? And how are you different now, specifically because of this podcast? You know, I've been emotional recently, so I'll try to not be emotional. But I remember logging on and we did our pilot. And in my pilot biography, I expressed some vulnerability about who I was as a teacher. And recognizing that I had gone through multiple positions at that point, I worked with my wife, which had a benefit and a drawback because we were two of five grade level teachers. I often walked that line of, oh, Matt, you probably shouldn't have done that a few too many times. And I've said to Ken, countless times, mostly after we hit end record about how this was and is a weekly version of teacher therapy. And I understood when everyone went through burnout, because I think we all experience it every single year. It's just when the recharge from that burnout doesn't quick come quickly enough for us to be able to handle the next level of pressure. And when it, you just feel like you can't get out from underneath it, that's when we see people exiting the field most frequently for what we would associate as burnout related reasons. And I just, I found this podcast to be my release valve on a weekly basis that I always left knowing we had great educators guiding kids like the kids I had the opportunity to talk to. And my level of gratitude for being a classroom teacher just grew and grew and grew. And perspective completely changed that release valve of pressure because I had an outlet. And, you know, we have the outlet. We are the ones that are asking these personal questions like we all hope as classroom teachers and in education, hopefully we make an impact on one, a dozen, however many classes. That is the ultimate goal. But we did this, again, selfishly for ourselves as much as for anyone to listen. We've just been so fortunate in the guests that we've acquired, the amount of wisdom we've learned, and hopefully the classrooms that we may have uh, impacted with as simple as a lesson, a perspective, diving into a hard to talk about topic that really doesn't have a beginning, middle, end. Um, any of those things has been the most gratifying portion. And to be honest, Ken, I was the remains of a very insecure teacher, a 12 year old 12 year vet of the classroom yet very insecure of if i had a right to speak about my point of view as a teacher because i had bounced out of a 
tough evaluation that I had did did fine enough. I was never in like uh, anything lower than proficiency, but I had had difficult situations with families. I had had chances to speak um, at the state and, and international level that some crushed. And then I got some hard feedback too. So I came into the beginning of the, the podcast with a little bit of an imposter syndrome and getting to work out the kinks throughout the last three years through this podcast with this vessel has been one of the greatest gifts to my career I could possibly, possibly imagine. So there's my dissertation to that question for you. So ultimately, other than our friendship, why do you think you did it? The why did you say yes when I asked you? So the, the real answer is I believe in you. Um, nothing else really matters about this. And I gave a lot of time and a lot of energy. Um, but I knew that this served for specifically in the short run and in the short perspective, it served you and some of your adventures. And I wanted to honor that and wanted to give you comfort and other perspective as you went to start to create the future that you were hoping for. And to watch that, I felt like if I could play a little bit of a role, um, that that was enough to buy me incoming and, and we'll say donating an hour uh, <laughs> a week. I, I did not ever have intentions. I was not in the point in my life that I was, well, to be very honest, I was in the point in my life where I was trying to get to the point where I would have to take this break. And mm -hmm. my relationship with my wife wasn't quite there yet. And so I needed to do some healing and some adjustment. And in that meantime, I was not going to expand on Mr. Rogers, the teacher besides room 118. And knowing that I could support your dreams. That's why. Well, I appreciate that yeah. a lot. And Absolutely. I'm glad you said yes. Yeah. 160 some episodes later. That's, <laughs> that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when, when we started, I was six months into being an instructional coach. I mean, if you, if you think about when we actually started recording to prepare for our January, 2021 launch, I was two months into being an instructional coach for our secondary schools coming out of elementary school. And this podcast 100% has made me a better instructional coach without a doubt. And I think one of my greatest strengths that I have to be a successful instructional coach is my ability to listen, my ability to listen and ask questions because we don't script anything, anything other than that exit ticket and the lesson lens that we do once in a while. Uh, as, as our loyal listeners will know, this is completely unscripted conversation including what we're doing right now. Totally. And it has allowed me to focus, to hear what the person is saying and to 
silence my reactions, silence my thoughts, where I'm not just hearing five words and then coming to a conclusion of what I want to talk about next. Really trying to deeply listen to the per person and what they're sharing and respond based on that, on that full scope of conversation. But I think the other beauty of the podcast and, and there have been conversations we've done this well, um, there are, and those are only a few of them. There are conversations we have struggled with it is to get beyond the obvious points on a mm -hmm. given topic. How many times have we talked about SEL on the podcast? Probably 120 out of 160 some episodes. How often have we talked about motivation or um, unique instructional opportunities or project-based learning? Like that caring is, about students. Right, all of those themes that we continue to see over and over again. And we could record a very straightforward, okay, 25 minute podcast every single week that glances over it. And I'm proud that uh, at least one of us is never, uh, at least it's not both of us challenging in a, and never in a disrespectful way, but it's, I think we've done a good job honoring people's perspectives while also trying to ask questions. I hope this is how everyone feels, trying to ask questions that actually enlighten others into what it means to accomplish something hard to describe because I can't tell you how to behavior manage like I do because you're not me and I cannot be Ken Ehrman even though you know he may be my teacher idol in some way I have to be my own style and I think we can look at different clues and features that will allow for that. What are those different things? And, I, and I'm really proud of what we've dug out of our guests and out of ourselves with, with that intention uh, throughout the podcast. Where do you think the podcast should go from here? Um, honest feedback would be that, and we've talked about it a few times, it's about content and not quantity. Mm -hmm. We've always had a really great level of content. If anyone wants to hear generally the same ideas, we have 120 episodes that have different flares of that. Um, I would expand this is my theory, you know, I'm not doing the work behind this. I would expand kind of on our perspective of the summer series mm -hmm. where we emphasize really hard to talk to topics, whether it's a round table conversation, whether it's a different perspective, or if we could have uh, further participation from people that are listening, that we could address their problems. I think that would be a really neat addition to the segment, but the simple fact of the matter is we don't need to improve it. It's already, it stands for itself. And for my purposes, going back to why I do it every week is, you know, 
I'm still going to have problems that come up in my classroom that I'm going to try to get solved. And hopefully that's helpful for other people to listen to. Um, but I, I, this podcast has never been about the number of listeners, although that has surely, uh, exceeded what we expected. Um, it's always been about something we were proud of. And there are only a handful of episodes. We were like, I don't know if that was helpful. <laughs> uh, so I, again, I think we've accomplished what we set out for. Definitely. We de we definitely have. And, and I, I agree with a lot of what you're saying in trying to, trying to reach as many people as possible. I would love to have input from our listeners. Part of it is, Part of what it's are we time do with it. Yeah. Right. Part of it's part of it's time, part of it, part of it's figuring out how and, and, you know, just the reality of this is not our full-time job. This is not something that we're spending hours upon hours each week focused on. Um, one of my goals has really been streamlining it as much as possible to, to, so that it doesn't overtake my life and it, it's not becoming a, it's not becoming a burden to me. And well, and it also continues to be authentic, right? Right. You're not a, oh, I was in the classroom 12 years ago, but I'm going to talk about it like I was in the classroom last week. And I, we are still in the classroom. And, and you taking this new adventure, I think, only gives added perspective. And I continue to appreciate when we understand the tugs and the pulls of every facet of educator that we've heard, because I can think I have the hardest job in the district as a classroom teacher. And Ken, you can think you have the hardest job in whatever you are right now, but <laughs> you know, we continue to see those unknown tugs and pulls that add difficulty to this, this adventure that is teaching. But when we forget how lucky we are, I, I hate to say this, but I am not going to be a great teacher for the rest of the school year. My mind is in a few different places, mm -hmm. but I know at this point that I can give 80% of the energy that I, 80% of the amount of energy I want to, maybe some days less than that, and still do right by kids. Um, and I think that's, that's the key to it. We can take some off days. We can take some lighter days. There's nothing wrong with that. But I, I really am reminded of how much of a privilege it is for us to get to do this job and and make the impact and, and have um, our lives centered around something we really believe in. I agree. And I think it, it goes back to something we talked about recently and and something you and I have talked a lot about is is setting clear boundaries for yourself and when you have your first child yes it 100% is going to impact what you're doing in the classroom you're going to be taking more days than you ha ever have you are going to be tired you are going to be distracted you're going to be thinking about what you're missing at home when you're you're at school and that's fine and i think what you can start to do over the next two months is evaluate what will happen the last two months of school that you can prep for now. What can you accomplish right now that you won't have to think about in April and in May? 
and what are things that you do that you don't have to do and it's okay. And creating those clear boundaries so you can almost strategically plan yourself down to that 80% and not deal with the tug of, are you doing enough? Or like almost trying your best to have a game plan in mind so that when the time comes, you know, you're giving the right and the best 80% and it's still, it's your new 100%, if that makes sense. Totally. I want to, I want to spin this a little bit and um, I feel like I can ask you personal questions. We've spent enough time with each other. So I am 36 years old. My wife is 36. We are entering new parenthood for the first time, which uh, we are the old people on the block to, to be doing that. But one of the dynamics, speaking specifically about new parenting and what have you is we are both educators that in our DNA care about kids. And you and Steph, your wife, are both educators mm -hmm. that in your DNA care about kids. And you made a really difficult but good for you decision to have Steph stay at home. And mm -hmm. that was, I say good because that is as dense and heavy of a job as you leaving every morning and coming home and acting like, oh, that was tough. If you don't mind, what, what were the dynamics um, when it came to identity uh, that Steph dealt with? Because in my household, again, I'm using this as therapy. In my household, Kristen is very um, purpose-driven in the sense that she feels like she can be mom, but she feels like she needs to diversify what that purpose is. Um, to give a little extra context, and I've mentioned it before, Kristen broke her foot, tore her Achilles, and developed an autoimmune uh, challenging uh, condition over the last three years. That's what prolonged some of the, the attempts towards having a kid, but she was stuck on the couch for three years and unable to go and do and, and taught from a, a wheeling cart or virtually. So she knows that she needs to be back in that classroom as soon as possible. What was that decision like in your household? Did Steph know right away that she was going to leave and give up teaching? What, what was the, the challenge and the navigation? Because I think as new parents, I'm recognizing how many hard decisions become not so hard because the most important thing is the child that you bring into the world. Yeah. So I, I will answer that question. And what you were saying too, just had me thinking about conversations we've had uh, more recently. Uh, we had Suzanne Daly on who talks a lot about positive psychology and, and our identity as, as teachers. And I think it's so important for us to have an identity outside of us as Mr. Rogers, Mr. Ehrman, who are we outside of the classroom? I think it's important for any person to have an identity outside of their job. I think it's important for any person to have an identity outside of being dad or mom or brother or sister, whether that be through interest, whether that be through clubs or activities. And so it's, it's so important because some of those things can go away. Some of those things can change. And if that is the 
the foundation of your identity, that can be, that can be really crushing. And so it's definitely been ebbs and flows of Steph staying home and, and feeling like, you know, it, part of it is me just reminding her that her day is harder than mine. And, you know, when I come home, I try to take over as much as I can and we try to work together as much as we can. And, and she'll often say, well, you just got home from work. And I'll say, well, you're still at work, right? You, you, you don't leave this environment. And so it definitely takes a lot of communication in any relationship with any situation you're dealing with. But you know, that, that specifically, um, as far as that decision, I was always on board for her staying home. I wanted it's some, if I had my choice, I wanted her to do what was going to make her feel happy and make her feel whole. I was leaning towards, I wanted her to stay home. I thought it was what would be best for our family. Um, seeing how fast we grew, uh, that was clearly a decision Necessary. that even if we didn't make it would have, it would have happened automatically. Um, but it, I remember, I remember when she, she committed to staying home, she was at a playground with a friend who had a child almost exactly one year older than KJ. And she was seeing everything that that kid was doing and said, if I go back to work, that's what I'm going to miss. And that's what I want. That's what I want. And that was, that was the decision moment for her. Mm -hmm. And so I think from my limited perspective, um, any decision you make as parents has to be mutual. It has to be communicated. It has to be thought out and discussed and perspectives had to be shared and, and sleeping on it and, and coming back to it. Um, obviously finances are, are part of that. So you need to make sure that you're not going to create a situation where you're stressed constantly about finances. Um, I had another, another older friend of mine who his wife stayed home when they had kids. And when, I think it may have been before KJ was born, but you know, we were just kind of on the conversation. He said, I'm going to make it really simple for you. You can either have time or money. You can't have both. If she stays home, you get time. If she goes back, you get money. Pick which one you want. And, you know, that very binary way of looking at it, obviously that's, there's more to discuss around that, but it was a, a more of a simplistic way to kind of break it down. And so, um, you know, I just think it goes back to what I, I hold strong in everything I do. I think effective and authentic communication is so important and listening to people's ideas and opinions um, and, and viewing them in the right frame. So as you, as you've alluded to right now, I'm serving as an interim elementary principal and I've had a couple of times where teachers come to me and share concerns they have of things going on related to students, sometimes related to colleagues, maybe related to parents. And they've said, to, and they'll say to me, you know, thank you for your time. I'm sorry that I, I'm sorry I was complaining so much. And my response was, you're not complaining. You're doing your job. You're concerned about a student. You're not, you're not complaining to me. You're sharing your concern about a student. You're doing your job. And I think they appreciated hearing that because it easily could have been viewed as complaining because they were venting about a situation. They didn't know how to handle the situation or they didn't know if they were if they were handling it the right way or they needed me to step in, whatever the case was, it easily could have been viewed as complaining. 
But in my opinion, complaining is only when you're venting about something that you shouldn't be, or you're venting about something that bothers you that shouldn't bother you, right? Sometimes you just need to get that off your chest and that's fine. But if you are venting concerns about a student, you're not complaining, you're doing your yeah. job. I think, yeah, I mean, it, it is an interesting point of view. I think we all navigate and, and the next step to that question is, how do you think, and maybe this is for you to answer or more of a theoretical for Steph, how do you re-enter the classroom knowing that for the first time with major responsibilities, you actually appropriately set those boundaries? Because I would imagine coming back into the classroom. Now, I will, I will, I will disclose, I have full intentions of taking at least a half a year off as a paternity leave in addition to the end of the school year. So I'm taking um, at least two weeks off and then I'm taking a day a week, which for those who are not aware, I found this kind of interesting. You, as long as you're taking your FMLA time within a reasonable amount of time post childbirth, you can kind of set it and structure it in a way, um, obviously communicating with admin in, in a way that makes sense. So I'm using my time to give Kristen one day a week in addition to the weekends off. So I'm taking a relatively minimal paternity leave and then taking one day until the end of the school year. Um, I have a buddy who with their second kid didn't take any time barely after the baby was born and took one day a week for practically the entire semester. So just something to consider that it doesn't need to be sequential. Um, I found that very interesting as going through this adventure, but the idea of re-entering the classroom after a prolonged break, curriculum changes, technology changes, when you're in the thick of it, it doesn't feel like it changes that much. Like I am in the thick of it. I'm building lessons. I have the stamina, my, those type of things, re-entering the classroom and setting those boundaries, feeling like you're capable. What is your encouragement in that transition, whether that break is a couple months, whether it's uh, a couple years. I don't know if that suggestion changes at all. So I'm going to answer this in two completely different ways. One being boundaries, one being your work in the classroom. I think re-entering the classroom would be a professional challenge because of how fast things change and whether that be technology expectations of teachers and just the, the way the job description has changed. <clears throat> but I think this podcast has proved there are simple core values that good teachers, great teachers have that will never change. Mm -hmm. And that is caring for students, operating a classroom where they feel empowered. They feel supported. There's clear expectations of what they should be doing, what you should be doing as the teacher and what that relationship looks like. Effective communication with parents, effective communication with administrators and your colleagues. And all of those facets that have no relation to curriculum, 
have no relation to technology, have no relation to the changes in policies that exist around education. And so in that frame of mind, I think re-entering a classroom after any break makes it seem easy, right? You approach it with those similar core values. Now, looking at all of the other changes in curriculum and policy and, and technology, it's going to be a challenge. But if you're coming back, let's just say after five years, there could be a lot of change. It could be very different. You're coming back after five years. Someone is starting teaching that same year as you. They've never done it before. They don't know any of the curriculum. They don't know any of the technology. And so if you approach it from that mindset of you need to learn like you're a new teacher, all of those, all of those things that are in some context, less important than all those core values I listed. Mm -hmm. You just have to have the mindset of this is going to be a harder year to, to learn, to relearn all of the new things related to my position. And it's okay. going to take a little bit more time, but it's not going to be like your first year of teaching. It's going to be like your fifth year when you got shifted into a new grade level, kind of like you went through this year, moving into fifth totally. grade. Right. Well, a lot of new things you had to learn, yeah. but your core values didn't change the way you approached student relationships. You had to shift a little bit this year, and that's been a little bit of a learning curve for you, but it hasn't been a it's not a brand new thing. Yeah. So I think that. If you can focus on those core values that you had when you left, they're not going to change when you come back. I think that's a great point. And I just want to say one thing I even. It was really helpful though this podcast will come out before it, but we recorded a podcast last week where we talked about how the grace of three years in a new teaching position, mm -hmm. regardless of how long you've been teaching. If you have a change, you would expect three years to until you get it right. And I think sometimes we can look at like a year and a half, two years, but even in the past week, since that conversation, I realized I needed to give myself more grace because whether I've been teaching 15 years or 30 years and I make a change in some capacity, I'm not going to come back and be up to speed necessarily because there's so much to get acclimated to, which leads to the second part of the question, which really is boundaries because, mm -hmm. and you can please take it away, but the concept is the tug of war has two major components which had one component before, which was career and drive and growth and the fun that went on the auxiliary hours. And now it's, this was my identity for so long. And now I have something that cannot survive without me, you know, giving that full attention. How do I deal with the hardest of days in school and come home and give my all at home? Because giving 50% to both of those never feels satisfactory. Um, but in reality, you know, some days it might be 70 and 30. But what does boundary look like when you know, never are you going to be able to give the at least time that you gave to teaching that you did before, and still be satisfied with the outcome? Yeah, so I'm going to share some ideas and strategies as well as things to consider. And I'm first going to say that 
if I'm saying what, if what I say makes sense to you, or you think like, wow, I can't believe he does all that. I, I use these, but I am not perfect at it. Right. Mm -hmm. There are, are many times where I have to reflect and say, okay, I'm not doing a good job of this. And related to boundaries, related to systems that I use, or, you know, just preparing things like, for example, a very simple thing is I know that if I pack my kids lunch and their snack and fill their water bottle and put it in their backpack before I go to bed, my morning will be better for myself. I usually wake up before everybody and, and exercise and do different things, but I know that my morning will be better and I will make my wife's day better by taking that off of her plate. I don't do it every night. I'm not perfect, right? So as even though I know that I should, there's some nights where I'm too tired, I forget, whatever, right? So, so I say all of that in that I think there are key strategies we can use, but you have to give yourself grace in the fact that it's not gonna work all the time. I would highly recommend anyone do this. It's not just for someone coming back to the job. Anyone that is feeling a tug of not doing everything as best as they can in their life, their different roles, their different identities, that setting boundaries and defining those boundaries is so important. I think that the clear definition of what those boundaries are, whether you write it, you journal it, you type it in your phone, whatever that is, defining those boundaries, I think is so important. For me, you know, I've, I've been going through this for the last five years. I've shifted positions multiple times. I've had, you know, over the last five years, I've had three kids and I'm about to have a fourth. I'm serving as an interim elementary principal right now. I'm a month and a half into it. And I have a, my fourth child coming in the next two weeks, right? So I'm, I'm in the thick of it in terms of those boundaries. And the transition into being a, an interim principal and maintaining those boundaries was so much better than it probably should have been because I think I so clearly defined what boundaries should look like in my life. For me, it's very simple. My phone goes away and my computer never comes out when my kids are awake. The phone, sometimes I'm not perfect with it, right? But I'm not on email. I'm not on school-related apps. Maybe I'm texting my friends a little bit more than I should. I don't scroll social media when my, when my kids are around. But that clear boundary, and, that, and, and I honestly created that with, um, I locked all my apps from four to eight o'clock. I probably did it for about a year. And it got to the point where, I didn't feel like I needed it anymore. And sometimes like I was wasting more time unlocking an app and then, you know, because I needed to do something, whatever. So I, I don't use it now. I think about it once in a while and I just don't think I need it. But that was that was defining that clear boundary. And when I'm at work, I I focus on work, right? That is my role. And I have systems in place to know what I have to do in the morning. When I, when I think of things that I need to do at work and I'm at home, I go into my personal email and I email myself at work. I'm not opening my school email because I don't want to see emails from parents. I don't want to see emails from colleagues, but I don't want to forget what I'm thinking, right? So I have a system in place to, to recognize that, but not to open the gates of, of losing myself in work. And I was very bad with checking. E I was checking email a little bit more when I got home, 
when I started this role as principal, just, I think I felt like I needed to. And I had a few nights where I read a really frustrated parent email right before sitting down to dinner with my family. And I knew I was distracted the whole dinner. And so I had to reinstate that clear boundary for myself of not looking at that until, until at least everyone's asleep and I've had time to, to talk to my wife. So I think it's not about what those boundaries, it's not about defining the boundaries the way I say, it's about defining those clear boundaries to know how you can be your best version of yourself at school and your best version of yourself at home and prioritizing the one that's more important to you. And I'm not going to tell you which one I think should be more important, but building it around the one that you value the most and then building the other one around that, if that makes sense. Totally. And I think that's where, whether it's kids, there are probably people that are listening that are past the kids phase and it's a different version of this, what boundaries look like. Mm -hmm. If you don't have kids yet, if you're unable to have kids, I am super sensitive to that scenario as well. Um, Yeah, it could be, it could just be your health, right? You want to take your health more seriously, exercising more seriously, eating more seriously, whatever the, whatever those things are, you have to define clearly what you want or what those boundaries need to be, and then put in systems around that. I would highly recommend the book Atomic Habits. I think it's a fantastic book for building those habits and, and those boundaries. And also just look into other podcasts that are out there, like mm-hmm. the school of greatness by Lewis Howes. I've, taken so many things away from that in my own personal growth, um, but really investing in yourself to know what's best for you. It's going to be a wild adventure. Yeah, we are. uh, I'm excited. It is helpful. We my sister is expecting her first um, the day before we are. Um, So to have someone to run parallel and also having a baby girl. So Baby Girl Rogers comes around April 7th, right along testing time. So that's going to be fun um, for multiple reasons. Cannot wait to read what a PDE has as uh, unable to continue proctoring assessment because your wife's going into labor. Can I can I tell you, because KJ was born April 6th. Go so um, I got out of proctoring that year. I, I, told, my princ- I told my principal that doesn't seem like a great idea. One to plan on me. One, if I have to leave while proctoring, what is like you just said, what does that look like? And two, there's a really good chance that I'm going to be out. Even if it's not during a specific test, I'm going to be out multiple days during that, that testing window. And so we just had a plan in place where I wasn't, I I wasn't a proctor. We, Hmm. we had someone else lined up. Um, so that, that was, that was the plan that we went with. I, I, of course I did it completely from the mindset of, of state test integrity it had nothing to of do course. with me just wanting to get out of <laughs> proctoring those tests. Um, it was also the, the worst scores I've ever had in my career. <laughs> and my, my principal looked at, it and he said, yeah, your scores don't normally look like this. We're just gonna, we're gonna chalk it up to the fact that you had a baby and there was a different proctor and if it looks this bad next year, then we'll, we'll talk about your instruction and the, and the scores bounce right back yeah. the following year. Well, that's where I would imagine. And, and 
first first baby we're considering does it does it go late or long but mm-hmm. Kristen, Kristen uh is taking off as of easter break so she will be out of proctoring as well so i will be uh man the ship at that point but yeah it's a it is a phase of my life i wasn't sure we were going to have the opportunity to go through so mm. feeling very fortunate and scared out of my mind to be this Definitely. old and oh, you'll be fine you're not that old well i'm getting <laughs> up there man so yeah well i'll be the same age i'll be slightly i'm a little bit younger than you but practically the same age in the same phase just with my fourth so yeah it's crazy we'll be in the same same sleep cycles all right last question for you before we get out of here most memorable moment on our show so far that you you can just think back to and thought whether it was a moment of wow or just a quote you remember from any guest what was what was just a moment on this show that sticks out in your mind oh boy i don't know if i can go with one um Rhett oldman episode two mm-hmm uh, the fact that anyone wanted to talk to us uh, was pretty awesome, let alone be as incredible as he was. Episode three, where we kind of broke our rule and invited a friend onto the podcast, Mike Creed, and he talked about branding a classroom, and that really mm. set me in a direction. Uh, <clears throat> one of your future co-hosts, uh, Mr. Chris Albrecht, who... Uh, at least the second, well, the second time was in his classroom. The first time he was on location <laughs> at a national park. And I think we started the podcast about 25 minutes after we all logged on because I wouldn't stop yapping to him. Um, when we learned about an abacus and how that, that functions, was that was incredible. Um I, I, there are, I think the, the general thing, and I've said this before, but it's worth repeating. The most impressive thing that I've gotten out of this podcast is we have talked to a tremendous number of incredible teachers, teacher of the year candidates, teacher of the year finalists and winners. And then national teacher of the year candidates and finalists as well. Hall of Fame teacher of the year, like incredible humans. And they all generally said the same thing. And as you mentioned prior, if we align our principles to be aligned with this, then we're walking step by step with these incredible teachers. And based off of the conversations we've had, we haven't had a single one that said, oh, I deserve this and you didn't. Mm-hmm. They all said, you know, I was the lucky one that got the chance to represent my building of incredible teachers or my district, my state, what have you. To be a Teacher of the Year finalist, there are so many possible people to be that and i don't want to take away from anyone that's been in that realm but i've just been so encouraged at the possibility and the realness of all the educators so that's not necessarily a specific flashback 
Um, that was a good answer. I, I will also add, we have had the chance to talk to some monsters of the educational field. Mm-hmm. And while some of them have been incredible, and to be honest, some of them have been uh, very down to earth and, and almost some of our weaker episodes, um, because you could sometimes see if they hadn't been in the classroom in a while. And so they had to lean into what it was like um, in a generation that you weren't able to talk to teachers that are living it in the now. Um, nothing to take away from that. But when when I look at my bookshelves and I see the names of some of these people that we've had the chance to talk to, um, it's been a huge opportunity to um, have some personal attention and and learn from some of the greats. So super, super fortunate. Um, but there's really one actual answer. And it's just the the friendship that we've developed through all the hours together, because, you know, I love you, buddy. And, and, you know, it is sometimes I, I wait for the chance to talk to you for the podcast. Sometimes I can't wait to, <laughs> to talk to you, but um, whether it's at a, a Phillies tailgate or a random drive home and something's on my mind or uh, you've turned the lights all out, you put your uh, blue light glasses on, the room right. is completely dark <clears throat> and we still talk for another 45 minutes. That is the most beneficial part of this all. Yeah, that. That really has been a, a gift. And I always know that you're working on some some sort of home construction project that you need my opinion on because it's FaceTime instead of a, <laughs> a, a, a text of, do you, or you'll always get the text first, is now a good time for you? Yep. Can I call you? And then if it's a regular ring, I know we're, we're either talking about uh, maybe your fantasy football lineup or something in the classroom. And if it's FaceTime, it's you're stuck on a project at your house and you need to get balancing something on my head. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, speaking of, of Rhett it, way back in the beginning, one, it was proof of concept of reaching out to random educators to come on a show that didn't exist. Um, and gave us the confidence to keep doing that. I remember him talking about classroom management and how he's allowed and obnoxious and can get the kid's attention and just say, Hey, yo, and a kid stops doing something. Whereas the teacher down the hall, he said was very quiet, very just well-mannered and, and very just, you know, soft-spoken and had the same command of our classroom and about how we can't try to be someone else to accomplish what we're looking to accomplish in the classroom. And, and like you said, with all of our guests saying the same thing, over and over and over again about relationships and about those core values. What's what I love about this podcast is those same core values come out week in and week out, but every teacher approaches it differently. And we have said, I can't imagine how many times we've said, we've heard that so many times, but never in that way or never in that approach. And it just serves as such an opportunity for our listeners to hear those core values and hear strategies that connect with their personality as teachers. And, and that's that's what I've loved about that. So to wind things down here, um, this is this has been an amazing journey and I, I can't wait to have you back in the near future. I can't wait for to meet baby Rogers and and have your your baby come lay next to my baby and we can pretend like they're friends, but they 
won't have any clue of what's going on. <laughs> so uh, for uh, the last time for a little while, Matt, why don't you take us on out of here? All right. As we powered down this episode, I proudly say that I think we're all feeling powered up. I'll miss saying that uh, for a few weeks, but I look forward to seeing you. I'll probably pop into some some summer episodes and gear up for next year. And it's going to be a whole different adventure with a whole other set of questions that I need answered throughout these episodes. So <laughs> with that being said, I I wish you the best of luck. The audience, thank you for being so loyal and supportive and I cannot imagine the greatness that you're about to hear in the upcoming episode. So stay tuned in. Uh, and I can't wait to talk to you soon. Till then, we'll talk to you next week. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you haven't already, please subscribe on whichever platform you're listening to or watching us on YouTube. Each week we get to talk to amazing educators who are making a positive impact on the lives of students, their colleagues, administrators, and education as a whole. It's been such a privilege every week to be able to talk to these incredible individuals, learn from them, grow with them, and better myself and all of education through these conversations. If you haven't already, please consider sharing this with a colleague, someone who can benefit and be powered up from the experience of listening to these incredible conversations. Because of Powered Up, we are powering education by empowering you.